0: I want you to listen to me. I want you to digest this because before I leave in three weeks with your WWE Championship, I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. Deserves ain't got nothing to do with it. Those the words of one CM Punk who makes the walk for his second UFC appearance here tonight. He says his nerves are far more amplified this time around, not just because he's in Chicago, but because he knows what he is getting himself into.
1: Welcome to Wrestling at Work. I am your host, Will Martin, flying solo again today as the vacationing Landon Sin is not with us. And so, uh, Landon, we wish you the best. Hope you're having a great vacation. Can't wait till you get back um, because I want to talk to you and everyone else about CM Punk. That's right. Some of you are rolling your eyes and some of you are foaming at the mouth and some of you are excited because some of you love him and some of you hate him. What I've learned is there's a lot of polarizing opinions and that's probably for good reason. He made a huge impact on the sport of professional wrestling. He left on terrible terms and has not done much positive since then and so he 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 has his name chanted still at wrestling events across the world um he hasn't gone away he's still like front of mind for us wrestling fans and so I want to take a deep dive into who is CM Punk look at his career uh what's happened since his exit from WWE and what do we think should happen here moving forward so right after this break we're going to jump into kind of the rise and fall of CM Punk in WWE so stay tuned Wrestling at Work is brought to you by Post Break. Are you working on a video project and you need a much-needed break from all the tedious post-production and editing that comes along with it? Well, head on over to PostBreak.net, check out some of their work, and get in contact with them, and they can give you the much-needed break that you need today. Head on over to PostBreak.net. Let's talk about the history of CM Punk. Who is CM Punk? Well, first of all, he's 6'2", 218 pounds, from Chicago, Illinois. He is 39 years old at the time of this recording. And guys, I, I'm not making this up. I think this just came out um, lately during this this last court trial. But we finally have found out that the name C M Punk. The C M stands for, and I'm not lying here, Chick Magnet. Chick Magnet Punk. So sorry if that kind of smashed some of you guys theories um about what it stood for and i, I i'm just I, i'm blown away that's not near as cool as i thought it would was going to be i think some people thought it stood for chicago made uh, or something like that because he's from chicago but uh there we have a chick magnet punk six two two eighteen from chicago so his actual name is phil brooks and he uh, is a professional wrestler mixed martial artist I, like Twitterer, he's active on Twitter, I guess. I don't know, he's a hockey fan. Um, but 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 CM Punk Phil Brooks he sort of rose to popularity in um, an indie promotion called Ring of Honor. And Ring of Honor is honestly one of my, my personal favorite promotions because it, it feels like just good, good wrestling, good in ring work. Um, decent characters. They give their guys a lot of creative freedom. Um, they have honestly provided most of the the headlining talent for WWE lately ha- has all come through ROH. Guys like uh, Kevin Owens, uh, Sami Zayn, um, uh, uh, Adam Cole, uh, the War Raiders currently. All, all of those guys came through ring of honor of course all of the undisputed era uh were, were together in ring of honor and so they provided really a lot of like top tier talent seth rollins was in ring of honor as tyler black a long time ago and so ring of honor is a great promotion so when when cm punk uh entered ring of honor he he really had to earn his spot and he did he did he, he went into ring of honor he made a name for himself, he uh, showed that he was incredible on the mic, could cut a great promo, he backed it up with some really good ring work, and so not long after joining Ring of Honor, uh, he was already holding the the Ring of Honor World Championship, and so he, he was Pretty validated as a superstar at that point, point. and uh, he he even he was the first head trainer at Ring of Honor's uh, uh, training school. I don't I don't know what it's called the uh, I guess the Ring of Honor Dojo or whatever they call it now. But he was the first head trainer. So not only was he a good performer, but he had a great mind for wrestling. He um, he really knew the ins and outs and the intricacies of creating a character, of translating that to in ring work of Of executing in a live setting and so CM Punk in the ring of honor really made a name for himself really started to rise in popularity which brings us to 2005 when he signs a deal with WWE now he signs a deal with WWE this was 2005 this was before NXT and so because NXT didn't exist yet, um, they still had a developmental league, but it was Ohio Valley Wrestling, so OVW. And so they signed CM Punk. He goes to OVW, continues making making uh, waves, continues making a name for himself and impressing people. And one person in particular that he impressed was Paul Heyman. And so he and Paul Heyman... Uh, sort of hook up and and start working together and and CM Punk learns a lot from Paul Heyman. He even um, produced some wrestling shows with Paul Heyman. He even uh, did some writing and and some backstage stuff. But he just he was eager to learn the ins and outs of of not just the performing but the business. So what happened? In the conference room, what happened behind the scenes, what happened in the editing room and, and production elements. And so he he became like a guy that just would eat, sleep and breathe everything pro wrestling business. Um, which is really awesome. So uh, he he catches the eye of Paul Heyman. He catches the eye of people in WWE. And then he finally uh, makes his WWE television debut in June 24th, 2006. And he was performing in ECW, which of course was, was run by Paul Heyman. At this time, it was a branch of WWE. This wasn't when Paul Heyman was um, running it by himself. They had already been acquired by WWE and it was just sort of, um, a, a different brand under the WWE umbrella so he's still in wwe debuts on on ECw and uh, he he did really well and before long he was um, was known as an outspoken kind of controversial character um, he he sort of blurred the line um and i think this this is one of the few people back then that were, that was doing that, but, and it's a lot more common now, but he was blurring the line between uh, heel and baby face. You didn't know whether to cheer him or boo him because you just knew he was smug. You knew he, he had an attitude. He was kind of full of himself. He liked to overhype himself, but at the same time, you, you kind of liked him for it. At least I did. And so as you're watching him um, sort of rise, rise through the ranks um, from Ring of Honor to Ohio Valley to ECW, so now he's on TV as part of a WWE brand. Um, there was there was a fascination with him. He was different. He didn't fit the mold. I mean, he didn't he didn't fit the mold of these bodybuilder guys. Um, he really wasn't a larger than life character like even a John Cena, who back then was you know thugonomics, rapping, doing all that stuff. So he had kind of had a gimmick. Uh, he wasn't a Brock Lesnar, just giant brawler fighter. I mean, here, here's just this dude um, who who kind of just has like a glorified dad bod. I mean, he's, he's not a bodybuilder by any stretch of the imagination. He doesn't look like a Vince guy, as they say, you know, a guy like um, like Braun Strowman or The Rock or someone who's just huge, who's who's, uh, muscular. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Stone Cold Steve Austin. I would say that the body style is the same, just kind of your average, um, strong um, body type. And so it, it was interesting to see him rise through the ranks and to become sort of a prominent part of WWE. And so after he makes his WWE debut with ECW, eventually he ends up on WWE television and starts to make a mark for himself there he's he's doing the same stuff he's being really controversial he's being um sort of larger than life personality which i i think that's that may be what did it for him and made up for his lack of physicality not that he had a, a lack of any in-ring experience but just a lack of 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 you know the, the muscles, I guess you would say, what you're used to seeing on guys in a WWE ring. He made up for that with his personality, and he was incredible on the mic. He was just incredible. He would cut promos uh, that seemed so natural. They seemed so real. Some guys will cut a promo, and you know, you can tell, like, this guy, this is scripted. He did not write this for himself. I don't think he believes what he's saying, but when Punk talked, you, you really felt like he believed what he was saying. I wish
0: you'd just come out and say that you hated my guts though, that you hate my guts, but let everybody know what a commodity I am. See, because we live in this era that Vincent K. McMahon built, right? He's a great man, surrounded himself with other great men that I would just say, yes, 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 yes. And they really screwed the pooch on this entire talent roster. Vince let guys, main event caliber talent go, just slip through their fingers. Guys like Batista. Guys like Mick Foley. Guys like Chris Jericho. Guys like Brock Lesnar. I could go
1: on so Punk's time in WWE was fairly successful, honestly. I mean, he he was the ECW champion, world heavyweight champion three times, WWE champion twice. He was a tag team champ with Kofi Kingston. He was an intercontinental champ. He won the Money in the Bank twice, three Slammy Awards. Um, and he just he, – he really uh, – added to to the brand. He added to to everything he did. After ECW, he was drafted to Raw in uh, like 2008 or something like that and became a a really intricate part of Raw. And he feuded with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. And he feuded with the Wyatt family and um, just had a lot of great feuds. John Cena, obviously, and so what happened? Where, where did it all go wrong? Well, you heard the list of, of accolades that he earned while part of WWE. The surprising fact about that, and this is one of the things that he mentions as one of the reasons why things got sour for him. So he had all those championships, all those different different reigns as, as money and the Mr. Money in the Bank, Intercontinental, Um, heavyweight and WWE champion, ECW champion, yet he never headlined a WrestleMania. Because back in those days, it was only guys like The Rock that could headline a WrestleMania or The Undertaker or Triple H. And so, uh, uh, supposedly he was very put out by the fact that he uh, had had done all this great stuff and was one of the the most well-known and over stars on the roster, yet he had never headlined WrestleMania. now that's a noble goal. Like everybody wants to headline WrestleMania. Right. But I can think of a lot of guys that are great that have never headlined a WrestleMania um, AJ Styles. And he's only been with the company for a little while, but he, he is yet to headline a WrestleMania. And so it's not unheard of, right. I don't think it's like a, a make or break you type thing. Headlining WrestleMania is a really, really prestigious thing, unless you're Roman Reigns. And then in that case, you've headlined, what, four, and you're still getting booed out of the building. So we're, we're in a different climate right now in, in WWE. But back then, he was definitely one of the most, if not the most over star on the roster, yet had never headlined a WrestleMania. Now, honestly, I, I question this um, to WWE because he he was so over, that would have been a great WrestleMania moment. I, I don't know why they constantly rely on these legends and these guys that that aren't really even full-timers to headline a WrestleMania. Now, obviously, I, a lot of us have beef with that, with Brock Lesnar, with Goldberg, with stuff that's happened in the past three or four years with WrestleMania. The fact that we we haven't seen the full-time hard workers, um, be be the headliners. You haven't seen Seth Rollins and and Roman Reigns in a match, which would be great um, for a WrestleMania headline match. Guys like uh, you know, just it's always part timers. It's always some legend. It's always you know. It's been Roman Reigns, but he was with The Undertaker right, or with Brock Lesnar. So it's like they don't trust that spot to two full-time guys that you see on TV every week. It's like they've got to have some kind of commodity or celebrity or or some legend in there to draw a crowd. But the fact was CM Punk had never headlined to WrestleMania. Now, he, he cited this later as one of the main reasons why he left aside from his health. And so I, I can see how that would be really frustrating. At the same time, you know, he's making a living doing something he's really good at that at one time he loved. And maybe he had fallen out of love with it because he he had become so immersed in the business side of it, maybe. But here, here's how it all ended for uh, CM Punk. He was, he was tired in his own words. He was having a lot of health issues. There's a whole um, staff infection issue. You can actually go uh, listen to or read the transcripts from the trial Um, That just took place with he and Colt Cabana and see basically the details of what was going on with him health-wise at the time. um, There was a lot of phrases being thrown around by by doctors, whether they were credible or not, like saying he could have died if he had kept wrestling because he had a staph infection on his back and, and all this stuff. And so he was tired. He was sick. He said he was burned out. And so after the Royal Rumble, uh, in I believe it was 2014. Yeah. Royal rumble 2014. He was the first entrant in the match and apparently during the match, he, he got a concussion. Um, it was a spot, I think from Kofi Kingston, I'm, I'm not positive, but where uh, he hit wrong and he was concussed and, and it was obvious in the ring that, that something was wrong. And I, I think that, that the plan either may have been or he wanted the plan to be that he was going to win from the number one spot. And then as soon as the concussion happened, plans changed, and they sent Kane out to eliminate him. And so he eliminated him, but then he chokeslammed him through the announce table, which seems like an irresponsible move for someone who you, you know is concussed in the ring. So after that, he, he did not appear on WWE television after that. He he walked out basically the next night on Raw, even though he was advertised to be there. Um, and the SmackDown taping on Tuesday, he, he was a no-show. He walked out. And then later in the week, uh, Vince McMahon was telling people that he was on sabbatical. Um, but a lot of weird things happened. They moved him to the alumni page on WWE.com and there was not really like an official statement. Uh, From from anyone, certainly not Punk and certainly not WWE about what was going on. He was just gone. So it wasn't until later in 2014 in November when CM Punk appeared on Colt Cabana's podcast, Art of Wrestling. And this is when he kind of broke his silence about what really happened with him leaving WWE. And he blames it a lot on his health issues. But specifically, he talks about WWE's Dr. Chris Amann and talks about being misdiagnosed and being put in situations where he was forced to wrestle with, you know, potentially life-threatening issues like this staph infection, this lump on his back and, and all this kind of stuff. And so this podcast comes out. It quickly goes public because no one's heard from Punk in almost a year since the Royal rumble back in like January. And this was November the next year. So he, he finally breaks his silence and hits and it's, it's just huge. He basically says, I don't want to wrestle ever again. I'm done. Um, He, he appears to be burning any bridges he might have with Vince McMahon and the WWE. Um, But even more than that, he says he has zero passion for wrestling. And so this podcast comes out, and one of the the weird, uh, unfortunate things that happen as a result of this is both Cabana and Punk get sued by this doctor, Doctor Chris Aman, and in, in WWE for defamation. And I, I, I'm not clear; I haven't listened exactly to the podcast. I don't even know if they mentioned the guy's name, but I think there was just enough talk about it where it was obvious that they were talking about a man. So. He sues them for what they initially thought was a million dollars. But then he decides that he wants to sue them for one dollar per stream of this this episode of the podcast, which would be close to four million dollars. It was like three point nine something million dollars just because they said some not so flattering things about this guy that they didn't even name. So they go to they go to trial. And it happened earlier this year. They go to trial, and it's both Cabana and Punk, Phil Brooks, and uh, this guy, Chris Amann. And so they make their cases, and there's testimony. Uh, You can hear a lot of details about the Royal Rumble match, a lot of details about uh, Punk's health issues he was facing at the time and issues surrounding his exit from the company. And turns out the jury decides this guy does not deserve $4 million. Basically he was, he was suing for defamation, but he couldn't show that there was any financial loss. He couldn't show that there was any, like real tangible damage done because of this podcast other than he got some hateful tweets and he said it ruined his Thanksgiving that year and stuff like that. But I mean, come on, that's not grounds for getting $4 million from somebody. So the the court rules in favor of um, Phil Brooks, CM Punk and Colt Cabana, whose real name is Scott Colton. And so they, they kind of move on from this and we think the whole issue is, is over but now it turns out that CM Punk and, and he and Colt Cabana have have been close but they've had some issues and they apparently have become friends again but now here goes CM Punk doing a heel turn in real life and going to Colt Cabana who uh, supposedly they had kind of an agreement that uh, Punk would handle the the uh, the legal fees and all that stuff and so i mean punk has has been a lot more successful than colt cabana has been in wrestling colt is very um, he's very popular, especially among the indie crowd, but he has not reached the level of success that CM Punk has by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, financially, Punk is a lot better off. And so they kind of join forces. Punk's like, hey, man, I got this. Well, now he's changing his tune. He's saying, hey, man, I've spent, you know, five hundred thousand dollars, something like that so far on this trial. And you owe me half of that. This is an email that, that came out. And so now we've got this legal battle between the two guys who won their case and now Cole, uh, Cole Cabana is being sued or I can't remember if he's being sued or if he's suing Punk for trying to get this money from him. But either way, now these guys are going at it because they can't agree on who paid who's going to pay the legal fees. Now, I mean, I agree that in a perfect world, you, you go halvesies, right. You go, you split it up. But. If there really was this agreement in place and, and these guys are friends like this is a little immature and and ridiculous now if it was just like a hey man i hate to do this but i'm gonna need your help financially i get that but the email i read the email and the tone of it was just so like smug i mean it was like his character almost saying like oh yeah by the way uh you're on the hook for half of this and don't try to make this ugly he actually said something like you know, don't you know, we don't have this doesn't have to be done the hard way, you know, kind of in a in a threatening way. So now, I mean, we've just got this up and down, up and down, up and down with this legal stuff of they get sued four years later. They finally go to trial. They kind of the, the jury sides with them. They can put this all behind them. Oh, but no. Now let's fight about who's going to pay for all the legal stuff that helped get us off on on these allegations. And so. It's just it's just really, really messy, and on top of all that, we've got CM Punk's UFC career. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because, let's be honest, there's not much to talk about. He's been in two fights. Both of them were, let's just be honest, embarrassing for CM Punk. Um, I didn't watch the first one, but I did watch this last one that happened a few months ago, and, I mean, it was just painful to watch. I mean, he looked like just a defenseless little child who was just, getting his butt handed to him and it it was as a WWE fan it was embarrassing because I I mean I was kind of rooting for him I'm like hey man he's out there he's still it's been four years uh since he's been in WWE four plus years but he still kind of represents you know something that I love which is professional wrestling and that's kind of what he'll always be known for and so the fight is just I mean it's ugly I mean even Dana White said This should not have been on the main card. It shouldn't have been on the pay-per-view. It should have been on the pre-show, if anything. Now they're probably saying, oh, this probably shouldn't have even been a fight. CM Punk needs to start pursuing other things because there's no future for him here in the UFC. And so I would venture to say that his UFC career is over and that it was um, a horrible, unsuccessful endeavor on his part. Um, And then there were rumors swirling around after that, that he might appear at all in at the, um, the pay-per-view that Cody Rhodes and the young bucks put on back on September 1st. And it was happening in Chicago and it's well known that those guys actually talked to each other. They acknowledged, Hey, we've spoken to each other, but um, obviously all in came and went, he did not appear. Colt Cabana did appear, however. Um, And so there's just all these, these rumors and speculation swirling and everyone seems like really unsettled. Like, do you want CM Punk to return or do you not want him to return? And so this is just an ongoing thing. And so, I'm going to wrap up part one here, and we're going to turn this into a two-part thing because I want to talk to Landon when he gets back. And I also want to talk to some other people, and I want to hear from some of you guys your opinion on, based on this and what you know about Punk, the rise and fall of his WWE career, his pretty embarrassing, lackluster UFC. Um, again, I don't even want to call it a career, just like his effort uh, kind of at doing that. Do you want to see him back in WWE again? Do you want to see him in any wrestling promotion again? So let us know what you think. We, we want to hear from you guys. If you're on Anchor, uh, send us a voicemail. Let us know your thoughts and opinions. If you're on Twitter, hit us up at at Wrestling at Work, or email us wrestlingatwork at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you guys. And next time on part two, we're going to really take a deep dive into um, some more opinions about all this in light of what we've learned today. So thanks so much for listening to Wrestling at Work. We will talk to you next time.
0: How often do you see At this level of MMA, main card pay-per-view, two guys who the loser probably never fights again. They're fighting for their promotional life. That's something you don't see at this level. The loser becomes a meme. You become a joke. No one wants to be that. That's who he's fighting to keep from becoming. If they weren't going to be a meme before, they are now. Yeah, yeah, 100%.